Welcome to Rumble Strip. I'm Erica Heilman, and this is part six in a series I produced for Vermont Public Radio called They Are Us. Today's show is called I Could Be Well. Welcome. I mean, these are just very lonely, alienating experiences because no one wants to hear about it. Nothing will clear a room quite as quickly as telling everyone you hear voices. That's Leslie Nelson. And ever since she can remember, she's been seeing things and hearing things that other people don't see or hear. Her adult life has been punctuated by departures from reality. She's been involuntarily hospitalized six times. But even though Leslie acknowledges that she lives with mental illness, and even though this mental illness has been the cause of tremendous pain and difficulty, she doesn't like to give it a name. Naming her mental illness, finding her place in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, has never been awfully useful in helping her get better. Most of this series looks at the world of mental illness from the outside in. In this story, Leslie shows us what it's like from the inside, what it's like to be normal from her point of view, what it's like to hear voices, to depart from reality, and the incredible power of finding people like herself to talk with about their normal lives with mental illness. Can you talk a little bit about um, hearing voices? Sure. Um, I'll hear very, very clear and very direct shouting in my head. It's not necessarily always male in nature, but it quite often is. And it's always things that are super unfriendly, like um, no one likes you, no one ever did like you, you smell. And then sometimes it can be like a chorus. And then sometimes conversations can start developing. And so there's a lot going on there. I've dealt with it by realizing that that I'm never going to not be me. I don't think it's about like getting rid of what we call symptoms or getting rid of voices or that's all me as much as anything, even if it makes other people incredibly uncomfortable. Um, I remember one time when I was having just terrible hallucinations of demons and receiving computer messages, uh, taunting things like the computer would flash, do you want to know your date of death? And then it would flash today's date. And then the computer kept telling me, like, leave, leave, you're in danger. And so I remember ty- I remember typing in, okay, I will, I'm getting my things, but I need to brush my teeth. <laughs> and the computer, I swear to God, said back to me, like, no time for vanity. So I'm like that crazy person walking out of the apartment building with no pocketbook, no shoes, no money, no ability to communicate with the people around me. And I was getting these messages that I needed to find my secret rescuers and that would lead me to like safety or whatever so I was actually going around the park and being like are you my secret rescuers like I think there used to be this idea that like people didn't remember things from psychotic episodes oh we do we do remember a lot so be nice to us because we remember and it can make a big difference. Just a little decent act of kindness and comfort. If you see somebody that's like crazy or whatever, like 
maybe stop and say like, hey, would you like a drink of water? So it's hard to tell the story of losing contact with reality because for me, everything that I experience is reality. It's, it's my reality. I've never really had anybody show me like, hey, you know, if you're feeling like you're seeing things that nobody else is, here's what you can do. Here's who will help you. Here's what, where you go. There's no such thing as this. And then if you do tell people, you end up hospitalized. And then the messages begin about like, you'll never be able to do anything. You have a serious mental illness. You're always going to be impaired. You're always going to need to take these medications. You know, forget about your dreams and your goals and just like, just really settle into the idea that your life's going to be very limited and you're not going to do much. And this is your new reality. And I don't know who would sign up for that. But I think what we're able to do now is show that there's other ways this story can go. I mean, I've been that person that was, you know, just completely out of my mind crazy that needed to be involuntarily hospitalized repeatedly during one particular point in time. But I'm, I'm this person too. I'm this person today that can show up for work. I'm this person today that can be an effective mentor and supervisor. I'm this person today that can be a supportive part of my family. What we're finding is that I'm not so much different from everybody else. I thought I was, but in a lot of ways, I'm not that different. And so I think that's a lot of what makes people uncomfortable as more and more of us are not getting hospitalized for our whole adulthoods as we're out and about kind of showing people that like, guess what, I'm not really that different from you. And I've often said to doctors and others like, be, be nice to your psychiatric patients because we might end up being your coworkers. I want to climb in to what psychosis is like, right. I, and I, I can't get there, and so I can't quite believe it. Right. So what do you say? What do you say to the listeners who are trying to understand? I would say um, try harder to understand. <laughs> I would say try harder to understand, be more patient, Respond to me if I'm like in what we call an altered state. Respond to me in a calm and caring way as opposed to a mean, hostile, what's wrong with you kind of way, which is often how people respond to us. They're afraid of us. They don't understand it. We can be kind of scary, I suppose, and unpleasant when we're in those episodes. It freaks everybody out. But... You think of me as a person experiencing psychosis or in a psychotic state is scary? How do you think it is for me? How, how scary do you think it is for me? Leslie has received a number of psychiatric diagnoses over the years, but the message she perceived from the medical community was always the same that her illness was concrete, finite, permanent. Then, when she was in her 40s, a therapist introduced her to the world of peer support, and her perception of her illness changed. Peer support is pretty much what it sounds like, people who have had similar experiences recognizing, empathizing, helping each other. But it's also a reaction to negative experiences in the mental health system, and a reaction against the limitations of lifelong mental patienthood. 
It exposes people to the idea that they can get better and they can live full lives in the real world. Peers are playing an increasingly important role in Vermont's community mental health care system, and Leslie is among these peers. She heads up the START program at Howard Center, which provides peer support in the community. Here's Leslie's story of how she came to understand the importance of peer support. One thing I really remember from my first hospitalization was back in the day where you could smoke cigarettes on psych units. and But to do that, you had to go into this little room. Those were like the best moments. Those were the moments where we could just be us and we were comfortable and we were smoking and we were looking out for each other and we were sharing cigarettes and it was just so comforting and so genuine and I describe it as like finally finding water that I could swim in. Of course it's the smoking room. <laughs> of course it's the smoking room. Do you have um, memories of a, a particular conversation that you had in the smoking room that was useful to you? It's a part of my story I don't really talk about because it, it tends to upset people and then maybe it's just something I keep private a lot. But my suicide attempt was a complete failure, but I did some very severe damage to my arms in the process and really should have died. So when I was in, this, in the psych unit, I was also being treated medically. So I had you know big, huge packing on both arms. I was in IVs. So this was a university hospital, a very wonderful hospital. Uh, this real chippy plastic surgeon came in to check on my arms. But um, he goes to me, he goes, you know those would heal up a lot faster if you quit smoking. So I didn't say anything because, like, I'm, how am I going to say anything? He's a plastic surgeon. I'm the, I'm the psycho that tried to kill myself. And I'm, but I'm thinking to myself, how does he not know how bizarre that sounds? And then it just doesn't make any sense. And then contrast that with getting wheeled down in a wheelchair to your buddies in the smoking room who are happy to see you and they're happy to help me light my cigarettes. That's the unique connection that can happen with people that have these very different but similar experiences. It's just so special and so important when you are around people that you know are, are feeling discomfort in a way that's more likely than not to be similar to your own. And outside that smoking room with the medical professionals and the psychiatric professionals, I feel nothing but shame. We get so far removed from the idea that we deserve comfort and kindness and get so used to this idea that, that we're the problem and that we need to try harder to hurt less so I think when we're with each other we can recognize and honor each other in a way that's not romanticizing the lives we've led but that's just sort of like I know you know I know you know and we can't get that anywhere else we can't get that from our doctors we can't get that from books we can't get that from school we can't get that from our families our marriages our pets there's no other place we can get that other than being around peers, people that have had experiences. Even if we don't know exactly what your experience is, what, what this person's experience is, there's, that, there's this unfortunate dullness in the eyes where the light is trying to come out, but it, it can't quite get out that we can see in each other. 
we know we know what that look is. So you're describing what we know of as peer support. I think that people get confused and and think peer support is just community. We all need friends to get through the day. Why is it more profound than that? Because it's so connected upon despair, which sounds very negative, but we can connect with each other about our worst nightmare of our stories that we think will run people away from us, and they always have. And even without really saying what those experiences and stories are, there's like a a bond there, a connection that really can develop. We do this work not to tell people what to do or to offer answers, but hopefully we can radiate some hope and resiliency to somebody that's not feeling that. It seems as though uh, that, that peer support is born from a, a set of values about what what it is to be sick, what it is to be normal. Um, t- can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I think that um, somebody that chooses to work as a peer specialist doesn't doesn't believe to limited possibilities. I don't think we believe that a diagnosis equals this type of life. And those of us that choose to work in the system, we're, I think we really are teachers and mentors as well as service providers because I think we're also constantly teaching our colleagues with, yeah, I'm the person that had this experience and that one and that one, and I'm, I'm here today, so don't you dare give up on your patient. Don't you dare lower your expectations and think that I can't do anything because of a diagnosis or because of an experience. And so if there's a way to keep passing that along through peer support to the others who aren't feeling that or don't have any idea that they can they can do other things than be a mental patient being a mental patient can become a career yeah people talk about how those of us with mental illness just we we lack insight into our illness. This will often be written on our medical charts, which become very thick and very interesting with everybody's thoughts. You know what? I never lacked insight to my illness. I had plenty of insight about how ill I was. But I didn't know I could be better. And by better, I mean like well, happy, content, serene. What I lacked insight to was that I could be well. You've been listening to Vermont Public Radio's They Are Us. Music for this series is by the bands Godspeed You, Black Emperor, and Esmerine. Huge thanks to the professional advisor for this series, Dylan Burns, and associate producers Mark Davis and Claire Dolan. If you have a comment or a story or a criticism, I would love to hear from you. Just go to rumblestripvermont.com and go to the bottom of the show page. I'm Erica Heilman. Thanks a lot for listening.